With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before. <laughs> yeah. Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Kenyon Drake for a couple of plays, O.J. Howard, uh, 
you know, our Darius Stewart, who has struggled at times this year, but come on strong late. And then Calvin Ridley, who we all wanted to be Amari Cooper 2.0, but we weren't sure he would be. I think now we know that he can be. You're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, the sky's the limit for Calvin Ridley. I was shocked, quite frankly, that um, if you watch some of the talking heads, they said that Calvin Ridley this Monday will be the best football player on the field. It kind of blew me away because both Deshaun Watson and Derrick Henry will be in that game, but pretty high praise for the young man. But at the same time, can you blame him? He he made the entire Michigan State secondary look silly throughout the evening. So just one more weapon. And a balanced Alabama team is almost impossible to beat. And with the emergence of Calvin Ridley and a guy that you did touch on, and I'm going to I'm going to reinforce a little bit. Ardarius Stewart becoming a more consistent force for the Alabama offense, that's balance. And with balance, the tight offense really becomes almost unstoppable, such that you not only have a defense that just wants to suffocate you in the tight defense, you have a an offense that will continue to put pressure because that offense will score. That's a really big deal. So, like, it, it everything looks rosy for me personally. So it was, it was just, it was so great to see Alabama come out off a long layover, and just crush Michigan State. There's no other word for it. So, a lot, lot of good to pull out of that game on New Year's Eve. Now, one more thing I wanted to touch on offensively, since I left his name out earlier. He's been consistent all year, uh, and, and and you know, just a go-to guy. Never drops the ball. The great, another good contribution, Thomas, by Richard Mullaney. Certainly. And, you know, touching on Richard Mullaney specifically, because he's a slot receiver, had a great job against Michigan State, like you said. Will be a big deal against Clemson as well, because you want to get Clemson safeties who are big guys. They're, they're, they're big, they're rangy, but they do have a tendency to make mistakes and they try and use their athleticism to make up for those mistakes. Well, matching them up with Richard Mullaney, who has been excellent, or forcing a safety to cover Calvin Ridley is a recipe for disaster for the Clemson Tigers. So, you know, A marks all around. You know, the thing that I said when I was speaking with some other folks about the game, you had a Heisman Trophy decoy out there against the Michigan State Spartans, and that is a sentence I never thought I would – have uttered an Alabama win by almost 40 points. Yeah, and your decoy still ran for 75 yards, two touchdowns, and flung a defender down with a stiff arm like a rag doll on, on an ESPN highlight that I know that guy wishes would just go away. Yeah, the, the, and the guy he stiff-armed is going to play on Sundays, and he's been rumbled in the first round. I mean, they, he literally, you know, destroyed a, uh, a first-round pick with that stiff arm. So, the analogy that I like, Thomas, was he flicked him off like a booger. Uh, that, and it's very apropos, I have to say. <laughs> a booger that bounced off the turf, I might add. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it was great. You know, it's just a fun game to watch. Now, look, the first half, let's be honest, it was close. It was 10 nothing at halftime, and had Cyrus Jones not made a wonderful play in the red zone, it could have been 10-7 at halftime. But, boy, that second half was a whole different ball game. 
Right. And there was – I'm going to use another talking head. I was listening to Kevin Carter, one of the ESPN guys. He said he was watching the game with his son, and the son said, Dad, this is like watching paint dry. This game is like watching paint dry. And then you look up, and Alabama's up 30 points. You know, it's the second half, sure, and Williams brought the whole rainbow. Yeah, absolutely. So that was Alabama 38, Michigan State nothing. Uh, It was utter domination. But in the game before that, uh, many people, myself included, well, I'll just say I thought Oklahoma would win that football game. Oklahoma was not the team that I wanted to play for the national championship uh, because they have a lot of good football players, and on any given night their quarterback can get hot. Well, that's also true for Clemson. And uh, Clemson erased – 17-16 Uh, 17-16 halftime deficit, went on to win the ball game 37-17. Again, much like Alabama, dominating the second half. Oklahoma was never really in the game after halftime. And um, I've heard all the excuses why Dabo Sweeney wouldn't be a fit at Alabama and all that. But Thomas, he's taken his team to a national championship game. He's a conference champion. He's won 14 games. Uh, while his methods are not like those of Nick Saban, I think what Dabo Sweeney is showing America, Thomas, is there's more than one way to win football games. Absolutely. But I will say, a lot of what Clemson did, particularly in the second half of that game, was very Alabama-esque. Oklahoma got absolutely mauled. Absolutely mauled along the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. The Clemson defensive line did terrible, awful things to the Oklahoma offensive line. And then... You don't run for 312 yards without very good offensive line play. So, yes, I agree with you. They're all Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers are an example of you can run a dual threat quarterback and do some some kind of a little more smoke and mirror stuff. They have some power concepts, but a lot of smoke and mirror stuff, and be successful. What's going to be interesting, you know, playing the narrative forward a little bit, looking at it against Alabama. I don't think you can say any team, at least since Ole Miss, has been able to do that kind of line of scrimmage control on both sides of the ball. And maybe you could say a team like Arkansas was able to hold down Derrick Henry for a while. And you can argue that the Florida Gators were able to hang in for a while in the SEC championship game. But there's been no defense that has taken the line of scrimmage away from the Crimson Tide offense with much consistency in the past month. So what Clemson did against Oklahoma, I don't think is going to happen on Monday. And it's going to be, it's going to make for, at the very least, a not as one-sided game. (laughs) If you'll allow some poetic license there, Kerry. Sure. But, you know, specifically looking at Clemson, uh, what, what are some areas that Alabama should be concerned about on both sides of the ball? Well, on defense, to Clemson's credit, they do have a very solid defensive line. Honestly, if it were any other line but Alabama's on the other side, Alabama's defensive line, the Clemson defensive line would be getting the majority of the pub. They're the engine, in my mind, that makes that the the uh, the defense go. They do have Mac Alexander, Mackenzie Alexander, who is in the same orbit as Florida's Vernon Hargraves, who is a top-ten pick. I don't think Mac's going to get to be that high on a draft board, but 
He's he's a first, day one, day two NFL talent. But the, def, the, the defense really, when you watch them on film, a lot of what they love to do is be aggressive under defensive coordinator Brent Venable. They like to blitz. The comment I made, if you, I, I've probably watched the Oklahoma Clemson game three or four times now, just so I can wow. get a like wrap my head around what they like to do. And at one point in the game, I'm watching. You know, my, my mom's a big football junkie, and I just happened to have some free time, so she wanted to watch the game with me. And I turned to her and said, "You could set your watch by how this team blitzes." If it's second and long, they're going to blitz. If it's third and long, they're probably going to send someone like an extra body. So that's what you really see when you look at Clemson's defense. And Lane Kiffin is not stupid. So he's going to have some things in place to take advantage of some of those aggressive tendencies. Now, what Clemson can do is if you manage to crack something like hit a screen or a draw or whatever. There's enough athleticism, particularly in the defensive backfield, to keep a gain, you know, a 30-yard gain is bad, but a 60-yard touchdown is worse. And Clemson can contain down to you a 30-yard gain and make you keep going. Offensively, to me, it really starts and ends with Deshaun Watson. You have to give credit to Wayne Gallman, the running back, who has had an excellent season. He's up yeah. there on He's around the 1,500-yard mark. So you'll hear a lot of Watson and Gallman on Monday. But because of injuries to Clemson's receivers, uh, tight end Jordan Leggett's a guy you might want to keep an eye on, but there's no wide receiver that you look at and he's going to go Amari Cooper on you. It's, it's a group that Deshaun Watson will throw to and they can make plays. But you're not – I personally, when I reviewed it, I was not quaking in my boots watching that part of the Clemson offense. It just to me though, the thing to take some solace in if you're an Alabama fan, five new starters on the Clemson offensive line. And the Clemson offensive line, they've they've got some good players. They've got a couple of very veteran players that just got into the rotation in guard uh, Eric McLean, but he's next to a true freshman left tackle. And Deshaun Watson has made that group look a little bit better than it is, in my mind, like Deshaun Watson can save three or four sacks a game. He's that good. Now, Gary, the obvious question is, how does Alabama get around that? Well, the Alabama defense, as you well know, but I'll just kind of explain it for our listeners, and I don't mean to be soliloquying. I just I think this is a key point. The Alabama defensive line is unique in college football, and it's not just unique because it's ultra-talented, though that is part of it. It's what the ultra-talented thing means. Generally, on an offensive line, you have five guys, two tackles, a center, and two guards. You might have an extra tight end. If you're Stanford, you might have three extra tight ends. But, you know, generally five to seven guys along the offensive line. That means you can send, you have five to seven guys to block four to the max blitz you, I've seen sent is eight. So generally you can do a double team or you can scheme it to where – the team, like Alabama's best pass rusher, has to go through some extra adversity to get to the quarterback. Well, if you double Sean Robinson or you double Jonathan Allen, that means you're singling up Tim Williams or you're singling up Sean Robinson if you double Jonathan Allen. And those players have shown a tendency to consistently beat guys one-on-one. So 
that is a completely different dynamic than almost any other defensive line in the country. You know, you uh, people said to me, you know, Penn State's defensive line going into the Michigan State game. Penn State's defensive line didn't have much success against the Michigan State offensive line. Well, Penn State's defensive line is Carl Nassib, who is fantastic, fantastic, fantastic player for the Penn State defensive line. But he's only one guy. You can chip that guy. You can scheme it so that you get, you you run away from him on a bootleg. Or you, there are a ton of things you can do against one guy. But when it's three or four guys that are able to beat their man one on one with consistency, whole different ball game. And that's really the problem. the The big problem for Clemson is: Does Clemson believe that man on man, the offensive line can consistently win their battles? I say that having watched every Alabama game and having seen nobody consistently do it. That's the key to me, at least on that side of the ball. And, and, and you know, feel free. What's your take? Am, am I completely off base with this, Carrie? And, again, I apologize for soliloquying a bit. Well, you understand that part of the game a little more than I do. You're more of a color commentator. I'm more of a play-by-play type guy. Gotcha. What, what, what I'll say is this. I, I, I'm kind of worried about Deshaun Watson because I've seen guys like him give Alabama problems. Uh, most recently, Nick Marshall, but there have been others. Josh Dobbs gave Alabama some problems at times, not for the whole game, obviously, but he gave him some problems at times. And, and I think Deshaun Watson is a better football player than Josh Dobbs. And so I'm a little worried about containment as far as, you know, letting him get outside the pocket. I know that all the discipline will be preached and taught and practiced all week, but then sometimes you get on the field and it just doesn't happen. Uh, something else that bothers me is – Clemson, in my opinion, has a very good tight end. And Alabama's linebackers have not shown me, Thomas, that they can consistently cover a gifted tight end. That bothers me. And other than that, I think I'm good. I feel like Alabama will win the game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than, than a lot of Alabama fans think. Uh, if I, I think if Alabama fans are, are predicting another version of what they saw last week, that, that they're fooling themselves. Well, I'll be honest, Kerry. I have Alabama winning by two touchdowns on Monday. I have ten points, but I don't have. I have thirty-one twenty-one. But I still think it's going to be more interesting than people would like it to be from the Alabama point of view. I agree. Well, and I just let me let's. I want to dive into you know a little more color commentary about your statement that Deshaun Watson will stress out a defense, and you're absolutely right. Deshaun Watson is a very, very good dual-threat quarterback. Alabama, I go back to Dak Prescott, but that was a little different. You know, Alabama had success against him. But the thing about a guy like Deshaun Watson, one of the problems with the spread, why the spread became so popular, you know, the Wildcat, and it's and even going back to the Wildcat, the Wildcat probably shows it a little bit better because it's easier to understand a direct snap like that but problem with the spread is instead of the defense being able to outman the offense on a like a quarterback running play they had to account for the quarterback the quarterback is now a threat you know think about Jake Coker when he's not you know killing small linebackers from Texas A&M Jake Coker is not really a guy he's going to hand the ball off and then he's going to get out of the way Maybe he'll get into the action, like when Derrick Henry tried to bend that play back the other way. But that's that's the exception. That's not the rule. 
So Jake Coker's out of the play, and the defense is essentially playing 11 on 9 because you also have to handle the ball carrier. And I'm not counting him as a blocker in this case. So think about how that changes when you then the quarterback can run the ball. Now the defense, at the very least, is playing 11 on 10. They might be playing 11 on 11, depending on how you draw the play up. Well, how do you beat that? You beat that, one, by the discipline that you mentioned, but also individual athleticism. It does not matter if you fake out a defensive end or you run away from a defensive end. If the defensive end on the other side pushes the right tackle into the middle of an option play, it doesn't matter. It could be blocked beautifully everywhere except that one key spot, and the play turns it from a 15-yard gain to a two-yard loss. And I feel really good about Alabama stopping the Clemson ground attack because I know the Alabama defense is a bunch of athletic super freaks, and they'll be able to beat their guys one-on-one and funnel it to other guys or maintain their assignments better than any group that Clemson has played. You can argue that the Florida State Seminoles are in the conversation with the Alabama Crimson Tide in terms of defensive talent, but I would say Florida State's a year away. They're going to be a freakish defense next year, and I don't want any part of them next year if they continue to mature. But Alabama is a different animal than even Florida State. And if Alabama continues to win those individual one-on-one matchups along the defensive line, can keep Reggie Ragland clean to get a shot on Deshaun Watson or fill his assignment, I'm not worried about the Clemson ground game. Now, to your tight end point, I agree there. I would be interested to see if Alabama would go to a more dime look. That's with six defensive backs with Ronnie Harrison essentially playing linebacker at 6'3", but having the speed of a safety. That would be an interesting way to challenge a guy like Jordan Leggett, because Jordan Leggett's a big boy. But Ronnie Harrison's a tall, rangy guy that, while not able to completely take away Leggett's catch radius, can do enough to shrink the window where Deshaun Watson will absolutely have to have a picture-perfect pass. And it's kind of like going back to 2008 when Tim Tebow had those two fourth-quarter touchdown passes against Alabama. Those were spectacular throws to very well-covered guys. You just have to tip your hat and move on to the next play if something like that happens, quite frankly. But, no, your your points are they are valid concerns, and I am absolutely sure, aside with the discipline thing that you mentioned, the containing the running game of Clemson and forcing them to be one-dimensional is probably a phrase in some form or fashion that we've heard or we, that has been heard in the Alabama building about a million times over the past three or four days. I'll be quite honest with you. But just just trying to be the yin to your yang, Carrie, and explain a couple of little things the Crimson Tide can do. You know, pull you back off the ledge a little, my friend. <laughs> well, again, I'm picking an Alabama victory. I'm saying 31 to 21. And, and let me make this point in Alabama's favor. Uh, one thing Nick Saban did uh, – shortly after Cam Newton left Auburn, was he decided to start recruiting more athletic defensive linemen. And uh, you don't see a whole lot of Darren Lake types on the team anymore, just a few. Deron Payne is a little like that, although Deron is, in my opinion, more athletic than, than Darren. But now you've got more guys like Jonathan Allen 
And, and like Tim Williams, who as a Jack linebacker is a glorified defensive end, let's be honest. And even even though he's a big old boy, Ashawn Robinson is extremely athletic for his size. Guys like that help you against the spread. Uh, and Alabama has come a million miles, in my opinion, in defending the hurry up no ho. They really have. To their credit, they got they got, they rolled up their sleeves as a coaching staff, changed their recruiting philosophy on the D line, you know, lived in the film room, and and found ways to stop it or slow it down. That said. Uh, when Clemson's tempo and pace is working, even, even if you do have the best front seven in college football, which I believe Alabama does, I think there's still challenges that are going to have to be overcome. And I think a lot of discipline and, and gaps and things like that are going to have to be really, really, you know, everybody's going to have to you know, cross their T's and dot their I's. Absolutely. And, and a couple of things just to add to your point. I personally believe this Alabama defense was almost purpose-built for this kind of game. I, I, I fully believe that. I know that Alabama has always been, we eat up the pro-style offenses, and that nothing was more apparent than uh, the 38-0 beatdown of Michigan State to show that. But I absolutely believe that this Bama defense was built to stop this kind of offense. And a couple of things about tempo. You're absolutely right. I mean, hell, we saw Alabama get flat-footed get caught flat-footed by Michigan State when they went tempo in a third down because Michigan State did not want Alabama to bring in Tim Williams and uh, Ryan Anderson, their pass rush package. So there is precedent to say, oh, by the way, this is not really working. But a couple of things, a couple of adjustments the Alabama coaching staff has done, and this is a really big one. They have, it's been reported, and I, I read about it somewhere. I, I don't have a source in front of me. But they spend a lot of time looking at substitution patterns and how to substitute, when to substitute, when they can against a tempo team. And Alabama can almost pull off normal substitutions if the opposing team is trying to do tempo, but they're on the hash mark closest to the Crimson Tide bench because the substitution packages have been prepared and, quite frankly, are told to haul ass onto and off off the field. So Alabama has been practicing the ability to get some limited substitutions in specific situations. And if you couple that with the fact that there is a big to-do about the Alabama pregame meetings um, on AL.com, I believe, they had a big breakdown of what all the Alabama pregame coaches meeting is about, Alabama is going to be prepared to do stuff like that. Are they going to be able to substitute at will? Absolutely not. But it's not, I don't think Clemson is going to be able to just tempo and keep a group on the field like they've been able to traditionally, particularly with some with outside zone stuff towards the Alabama bench. There are little tricks you can do to, to get in some substitution, and the Crimson Tide has shown that they're pretty adept with that. One of those tricks, and I, I'm not saying Alabama would ever do this, but one of those tricks is to fake an injury. And uh, the reason I bring that up, Thomas, I was, I was driving home uh, not long ago from an Alabama basketball game listening to LSU's ball game. And the LSU sideline commentator for their own radio network came out and said, that they had some guys on their team that really deserved Oscars. They were so good at it. And he said, what you have to be careful of is when you hold one knee, you don't get up and limp on the other one. But uh, 
<laughs> I'm not saying Alabama would do that, but you know, I know that, that LSU was, was probably doing it in their bowl game, which they won. So uh, against somebody Texas Tech. So there there are tricks about tempo. You're right. And, and again, I'll reiterate what I said a few minutes ago. The Alabama coaching staff has done a, a phenomenal job of, of changing their recruiting uh, philosophy on defensive linemen. And uh, so, yeah, so that's where we are on that. Yeah, certainly. And, again, uh, I'm not saying, oh, you're wrong, Kerry. You're, you're, you're a terrible Alabama fan. Take off your crimson color glass. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just I, – I'm, 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 I'm kind of pulling you back off the ledge a little bit and, and just – trying to explain to both you and to our listeners. I've had a pe- couple of people reach out to me and say, man, keep going, you're killing it already, which is cool. They let me out of my cage. But just, just kind of saying there are, some, there are some tweaks here. There are things you can do. There are things that will be done. It's cool. And I hope, I hope that you, you haven't taken it as me talking down to you or anything, because that's absolutely not what I meant. No, I don't want you to think I'm on the ledge either. I firmly believe Alabama's going to win the football game. Fair enough. I, I'm just not predicting a blowout. I'm predicting a 10-point win, and and maybe part of my 10-point win is comes from scoring late against Alabama's second-team defense. I don't know, but I'm I'm going 31-21. Uh, I'm at 31-20. So well, that's that's really not far off. Right. So I mean, we're we're not we're not in two different books. We're just different pages in the same book. I'll take it. In fact, <laughs> adjoining pages maybe, or back-to-back <laughs> chapters, or you know, almost paragraphs. But uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, and I'll be interested to get. Uh, Drew's deal. So, uh, yeah, I just got a text from him. He should be joining us shortly, and then I've got to effort to get our first guest. Yeah, uh, we're expecting, uh, I guess, 8.30. I had my information mixed up. 8.30 is Phil Cornbrook, who uh, who covers Clemson for a living. And then next hour, we'll hear from A.P. Stedham and uh, Ken Keller. So, uh, so Phil Cornbrook, a longtime person who follows Clemson, is great. Uh I'm efforting to get someone to call us at 945, but he's not quite sure he'll have time. If he does, uh, he'll be a first-time guest that offers some insight into his personal friendship with Dabo Swinney, although the individual in question is a huge Alabama fan so, and a radio guy. So I'm hoping we can get him. If not, will that Big C keep his normal slot? I had, I had contemplated having Big C call earlier, but I really wanted to give you a chance to expound on all things Clemson. Uh, on both sides of the ball, and I certainly appreciate you doing that. And uh, I, I guess I'll ask you another question because Drew's already sort of made his feelings known on this, although he may have changed his mind between now and then. I'm not sure, but I realize, Thomas, having covered one as a coach and one as a head coach, I realize the coaching styles of Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney are very different. And that was what I meant earlier when I said there's more than one way to win a football game. I wasn't talking about the fact that Dabo has recruited like an SEC coach. I know that. I get that. But Dabo doesn't run his program quite the way Dick Saban does. Uh, It's more laid back. Uh, He's a better dancer. Uh, Well, not much better, but better. Uh, He's a lot younger. Uh, He cracks more jokes. The media loves him. Uh, He he just doesn't coach the same way Dick Saban does. He's not the hard-ass. But he's 14-0. I'll just say this. There are a lot of people in the Bama Nation that don't feel Dabo Sweeney has the it factor or the hard ass or the bad ass or the mean whatever to, to run the Alabama football program. But I'm going to submit that this current football season, regardless of what happens Monday, I think those people should reconsider that position, Thomas. 
Uh, I agree. I mean, I, I fully admit that I was not around when Bear Bryant was the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I remember some of the Gene Stallings era, you know, the other two great coaches in Tide history. In tide, let's call it recent Tide history and put hit recent in air quotes. Kerry, weren't those guys kind of hard asses with the media to a certain extent? You know, not really. Not really. Not not to the extent Spaden is. Uh, they didn't take crap. But Bryant was really, he was actually more hard ass with the fans than he was the media, Thomas. Uh, Kurt McNair tells a story where Bryant spoke to a group of boosters in Montgomery. This is a true story. Kirk was there. He drove him down there. He knows. And at, Coach Bryant, when he spoke to groups, let's say it was the Montgomery Touchdown Club, he didn't normally take questions. But he got done a few minutes early, and he said, okay, I don't usually do this, but raise your hand if you've got a question. And 12, 13 hands went up immediately. And he said, by the way, I don't take the stupid questions very kindly, and every hand went down. That's pretty good. So, that you know, that was Coach Brown. Coach Brown was the media. You know, it was kind of like uh, the grandpa in the rocking chair by the fireplace. Uh, I, I was around more for his later years. I, I was at his final press conference at Liberty Bowl. I did get to cover that game. It was among the coldest I've ever been in my life at night in Memphis. Coach Bryant's team beat Illinois. Uh, he, he was... I don't consider him a hard ass. The media were, uh, Thomas, let me put it like this. There was an inside group of media members, probably six or seven, that got invited to Coach Bryant's hotel room in, in Birmingham the night of or the night after every Alabama game for drinks. That, it's not like that with Satan Thomas. Okay. Well, I, uh, I was just. I, you know, he was a, a, a chip off the Bryant block. Gotcha. And, I, I didn't actually cover the team during the Stallings years. I was just a fan of the fans. I did hear him speak on a number of times at alumni events. Uh, but I, I'm not exactly sure how it was with the media, but the people I've talked to said it was far more like Bryant than it was with Satan. Okay. So anyway, I, I see that Drew has joined us, so I want to go ahead and bring him in because I want to give you, Thomas, time to get our first guest on the phone. Drew DeArmond, ESPN 977 The Zone and BAMS Radio. Welcome in, buddy. Uh, I think good to be with you, Kerry. I uh, got a little delay tonight, had a late dinner, but uh, good to be on BAMS again. Uh saw the Twitter reaction. sound like Thomas is dropping some serious knowledge about the national championship matchup. Uh, Clemson and uh, Alabama, we're fixing to get the Clemson perspective from one of the best sources out there, Phil, Phil Cornblute, who uh, has been around a long time, uh, has been recovering, recruiting, one of the pioneers of the recruiting industry, and, of course, has been uh, on the air for as long as anyone can remember. Uh, in the state of South Carolina, and he has his—he's uh, a part of the Sports Talk SC dot com, uh, and he has his radio program every uh, Monday through Friday, uh, six to eight p.m. Eastern time uh, in the in that uh, in the in the, uh, the the Palmetto State, and we look forward to hearing from him. Drew, does he cover both teams, or is he mainly? Yes, um, he, he covers, covers both. Okay. Yeah, he covers the the entire state really, and. Uh, we uh, we are uh, anxious and uh, hoping that uh, he can give us a few minutes and kind of give us his take on uh, on Clemson. Well, while while we give Thomas time to get Phil on the phone, I wanted to ask you uh, if there was anything uh, recruiting wise that you wanted to share with the listeners before we go full in back on Clemson. Um, not too much. There's not a whole lot going on. Everybody knows, of course, about Tyler Simmons committing this past weekend. I still don't believe uh, Kevin Ridley. I took some heat uh, 
from another well-known recruiting analyst who loves to talk about himself uh, and uh, basically I think would sign autographs and mail them to people if they'd take money. But uh, he uh, he took some shots at me on Twitter, uh, and that's part of it uh, because I basically said I thought Alabama had uh, rescinded the offer to Cavin uh, Ridley. I still believe that they told him to wait. Um, and I, I don't know if they were comfortable with him being an early enrollee because there's a lot of other guys on the board. I think he's down the board at wide receiver. I think he's a really good football player along the mold of a Darius Hanks or a Brandon Gibson, a role guy. Uh, and he had an outstanding summer camp for Alabama, but I don't think he's as near as high up on the board as someone like A.J. Brown or Keith Gavin or even Amon Richards. And Alabama's going to take two more receivers. I think they like Tyler Simmons better than him, too. I think Kevin is a really good football player. Uh, but because his last name's Ridley and he's the brother of Calvin Ridley, you know, there was some angst over it. Uh, but he's decommitted now from South Carolina. You notice he hasn't committed to Alabama yet. So, uh, in my opinion, in the end, I think he'll probably end up going elsewhere and uh, he can get some, uh, you know, a quicker playing time. But to be honest, uh, that's really all that's going on right now. They'll be locked and loaded coming out of the dead period. But, uh, right. Right now, as far as, uh, you know, the Under Armour game is now coming gone, the Semper Fidelius game, uh, the Army game will be this weekend. Then you'll see everything get rolling uh, after that. And Georgia apparently may be a factor for Kevin if he wants to be an early yeah. and lowly. I mean, also wanted to ask you real quick before we bring on Phil, what should Alabama fans read into the decommitment from Tennessee of Johnson Combo? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I, I think – uh, and I, I think, honestly, Alabama really likes uh, Kongbo. I mean, I think Bo Davis, Nick Saban have spent a lot of time recruiting him before this past dead period. Uh, they really turned up the heat in the last month uh, for him. And uh, there, there has been some talk uh, that he uh, flipped and or, or you know decommitted because he'd been offered by Southern Cal this week, and that was his dream school, and that's who he was going to choose. Well, he hasn't committed to Southern Cal. Uh, I think he'd been taking visits. Uh, he had told Tennessee he was going to keep taking visits. So the uh, the decommitment had been in the works for a while. Uh, I do think he's slated to visit Alabama in January. Uh, we will see what weekend that ultimately happens. Maybe the 22nd. But I do think he's a great pass rusher. He's from Arizona Western uh, Community College, which the same junior college program that gave Alabama Aaron Douglas, the late Aaron Douglas, who had transferred from Tennessee. And then, of course, Jesse Williams, two-time national champion, and, of course, was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. But you know, I, I think uh, Alabama, if they can get him in for the official visit, I think they have a very good shot uh, in Mr. Congo. Drew, uh, you, you mentioned Bo Davis's name, so I'll ask you about another player. Uh, apparently, Bo has pretty high esteem for a certain defensive end that's currently committed to Auburn. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, they, uh, they, they, have, they have, you need to watch uh, the Alabama Nation, needs to watch Nick Coe. Uh, he's a, a defensive end, around 6'5", 265, 270 pounds. A state champion wrestler, much like Dalvin Tomlinson. He's a guy from Asheville, North Carolina. He committed to Auburn, you know, on the right uh, at the uh, right before the Iron Bowl kicked off, and has been committed to them ever since. But Bo Davis has seen his film, has been very impressed with him. Uh, his lead recruiter is Tosh Lapoy, uh, and uh, I think Alabama really—he's uh, someone coming out of the dead period. That Bo that has rocketed up the board that I think Bo Davis thinks is one of the top maybe two to three guys he's evaluated on film. Well, Drew, I got to give you credit. Uh, you're giving me all these great transitions. You, you mentioned Tosh Lapoy. Uh, apparently, Alabama's going to be able to retain his services despite the efforts of Kirby Smart. 
But is Kirby Smart about to dip into the Alabama staff for Kirby Smart's new defensive coordinator? Well, I think so. Uh, I think uh, based on what I was told last night, it's been done uh, for, you know, several days. But I I think, uh, and maybe even over a week, but I believe uh, Mel Tucker is going to uh, leave the University of Alabama after a season. And he was a guy that you kind of felt like might not be here past this season uh, with the NFL. The NFL could come calling. But Kirby Smart, you know, his top two candidates, uh, Will Muschamp, head coach of South Carolina, uh, obviously Jeremy Pruitt, uh, back to his alma mater at the University of Alabama. And so uh, uh, I think uh, – I really think um, uh, once that once those two things happened, it, the dominoes kind of started to fall in. And I think uh, Mel Tucker, he didn't get the Alabama defensive coordinator's job. A lot of people thought that might happen. Coach Saban decided to go with someone he's familiar with and Jeremy Pruitt, who's also a very good recruiter. And so they decided uh, to bring in uh, – uh, and when Pruitt was brought in, I think that kind of signaled. You thought there was a, still a chance that Mel Tucker might stay uh, for one more season, but with the need at defensive coordinator for Kirby Smart, with uh, what uh, uh, Jeremy Pruitt made as far as one, $1.3, $1.4 million per year, uh, Mel Tucker, of course, is one of the assistant head coaches, but I think he's making around $600,000, so it's going to be a huge bump in pay for him. Obviously, another chance to run a defense. And so the move really makes sense, and it's really probably the last move. Uh, you know, the strength coach was hired today from Marshall for uh, for Kirby Smart. Uh, he hired Shane Beamer. So he's got a lot of the pieces in place, and I think Mel Tucker will be the last one, and I don't think Tosh LaFoy will be going to Athens, Georgia either. My, my opinion is Glenn Schumann will be on the field for the dogs and probably be coaching outside linebackers. And that, and that makes perfect sense. So let's take it a step further, Drew. Let, let, let's say that does happen, and then Jeremy Pruitt takes the secondary role. That means Nick Saban needs to hire himself another linebackers coach. Uh, the usual suspects, James Willis, uh, Travis Jones, and then maybe a possible Alabama walk-on who's being retained by Kirby Smart. Maybe Alabama gets in the mix for Kevin Shearer. Eh, perhaps. I'm not necessarily sure I believe that. I think he could be a target uh, for Nick Saban. Uh, but I think also some NFL guys it's, that he's been, uh, you know, has worked for him before. James Willis with the Saints, Travis Jones with the Seahawks. I think some other guys could be in the mix uh, for that inside linebacker's job. Sure would make a lot of sense. He's already committed to staying with uh, Kirby Smart. Uh, he knows Kirby well and uh, he's, he, and he, and he, I think part of the reason they, they retain Shearer is to also to give continuity to their recruiting efforts for this year's class. It could happen. I'm not saying it will not, and I'm sure it's someone that Coach Saban will have some interest in, uh, but I would say there will be several several names thrown around. Uh, other than those three, you got any other ideas to throw out? or just No, not yet. I think those are the obvious ones uh, that have worked for him at LSU and Alabama and uh, that coach the position. Uh, he always seems to have someone or another card to play up his sleeve. There's probably someone. I mean, I know South Sunseri's name has been thrown around, but it doesn't fit uh, because unless Coach Lapoy did go to Georgia because Sal is a defensive line and the outside linebackers guy, and, of course, Bo Davis is not going anywhere. And, I, and, and truth be told, Tosh Lapoy, he's done a great job at Alabama. Uh, he would have left, of course, for a defensive coordinator's job, but he's, he has never coordinated a defense. He's, in, he's still an, a young and inexperienced coach in that regard, and I think he would uh, le- learning at the hand of the master and Nick Saban would be the best thing uh, for his future. 
We have not yet gotten in touch with our first guest on the Asian Rim Hotline tonight. However, we do want to welcome the calls of anyone listening live. If you've got a question for Thomas or Drew or myself, please call the BAMS Radio Asian Rim Hotline. And by the way, the Asian Rim is a great sushi and Thai food restaurant located in the Colonnade uh, on 280 in Birmingham, Alabama. Your hosts are uh, Roy and Paige Hockman. They have a great staff there. Uh, anything you could possibly want, American food, Thai food, sushi food, they've got it. Give them a try. That's the Asian Rim of the Colonnade. But call us if you have any questions on the uh, Asian Rim hotline. And that phone number, folks, is uh, 714-510-3707. The number, again, to call in if you have a question for us on BAMS is 714-510-3707. We would love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, any kind of question you got, whether it's recruiting, Alabama, Clemson, what have you, and you're right, Drew, what you're reading on Twitter, I was just kind of throwing out the uh, fishing line, and, and Thomas was, was running with it. Uh, it, it. He broke down both sides of the ball for Clemson. Uh, he picked 34-20. to 20. I picked 31-21. I uh, was curious to know what kind of score you're thinking about for Monday, Drew. They're not scoring 20. I got them scoring uh, 13, 20, Alabama 28, Clemson 13. This is a special defense, and I think they're going to make a statement seen a lot of people saying it was going to be in the 20s. I think this Alabama defense is going to come out and play well and uh, be very tough in the red zone. Uh, they're going to move the football some, but I think they're going to uh, you know, I think they're going to force a couple of field goals and give up a touchdown, but I think they're going to pressure Deshaun Watson throughout, win the game at the line of scrimmage. Derrick Henry with 150 plus and a couple of TDs and Jake Coker plays off of that, especially via the play action game and Alabama wins number 16. But let me ask you this, Drew, because and I asked Thomas this earlier, and I'll ask you because I, I value your opinion. Uh, do you think has anything changed at all in your mind, has, regardless of what happens on the field Monday night? Has the job Devil Sweeney has done this year done anything at all to make you think that one day he could lead the Alabama program? I mean, he's he's done a great job at Clemson, much like he overachieved in his uh, playing days as a player uh, to become. A, national, a part of a national championship team as they uh, started off the walk-on wide receiver and earned a scholarship. The same thing as a coach. Uh, he's uh, built an, an excellent program at Clemson, but uh, as far as his style, no, I still don't I don't find it a fit at Alabama. Uh, I, I think, uh, and I'm not sure, the Alabama job is a lot different than Clemson. There's a lot, a lot of different sets of circumstances. A lot more. There's pressure everywhere, but there's there's a different type of unique pressure at Alabama. It takes a certain personality to be able to run that program, and and uh, right now I think Dabo is right where he needs to be and could be there for a good while. And uh, he's already now been there, you know, 13 years. It's his 13th year at Clemson overall, and eighth year as head coach, and he's done a great job. Well, I'm saying five years from now. Well, five years perhaps. So averaging 12 or 13 wins a year, would 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 he then become? I, I would imagine, but I, I, I'll have to believe that when I see it. And uh, Florida State's going to rebound. Uh, Notre Dame is going to continue to play uh, five ACC teams a year. Uh, he's now won two ACC titles. He would, he would, for me to believe that Dabo Sweeney deserved a shot at the Alabama job, he's going to have to have at least one national championship on his resume and maybe two. 
in the five years, uh, in five or six years, that I think Nick Saban is going to be coaching. I just really he and uh, he's going. I don't think he's going to win it this Monday. Uh, could he win it in the future? We will see. Uh, but I, right now, uh, the good Lord was looking out for him and has him in a perfect situation because he's in a weaker conference uh, and uh, he's able to. He and Florida State right now are ruling the roost. And uh, let's just see if they can continue to do so. Fair enough. And we've got another we've a couple callers on hold now on the uh, Asian Rim hotline. Let's start off with a guy who's been holding the longest. Uh, play like a champion. You're live with Kerry, Drew, and Thomas. Welcome to Bands Radio. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing tonight? Good, man. Good, champ. How you doing, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always love listening to you guys. And really, you cover everything so much. It's not a lot for us to call in and ask about, but you know, one of the things that kind of got my attention here recently, I don't really remember which guy it was, but one of the guys from Clemson made a little bit of a, a comment that kind of got my attention, we'll say, when comparing Alabama defense to uh, Boston College's defense. And I've not had time to look into a whole lot of it, but uh, I do know that Boston College hailed uh, Clemson's uh, running back, Gallman, to I think his lowest performance of the year. Obviously, I didn't watch Boston College. Don't really know a lot about them other than I'm quite confident the Alabama defense is um, quite a bit more talented than Boston College. Uh, Have you guys seen any of that to know what they did, why they had such success against uh, the Clemson offense? Well, I can answer this one, Champ, because I'm having still having trouble getting our guest. I would argue that Boston College, they're holding uh, Clemson to, I think it was something like 112 yards rushing, and it was something terrible, like under three yards of carry, was a little bit of a misnomer, because while the BC defense did do a great job limiting the Tigers on the ground, Deshaun Watson had 420 yards passing that day. So, I, I mean, I, I see that that is, that is a big deal, and when I first saw the stat, it kind of popped out at me. But then I realized that Deshaun Watson had his best day passing. So, the game, like, yes, I, actually, I remember the game because BC was kind of hanging around on the back of their defense, but then you realize that, BC's offense was 125 of 127 in terms of total offense this year, and it was it was almost a foregone conclusion. BC couldn't hang. Watson passed through BC and Clemson cruised to a pretty <laughs> easy win. Well, um, another question that I've got is another thought for you guys. Um, you know, Coker did a really great job against Michigan State and really showed what he could do and. If nothing else gave Clemson something else to think about, uh, I'm quite confident they're still going to focus more on Derrick Henry in the Alabama running game. But uh, going into the game, what do you guys expect? Do you think they're really going to sell out to stop the run and try to make Coker beat them again? Or do you think they're going to look at it and say, you know, we need to play a little bit more straight up because they do have the talent um, even through the air? Or they look at it again and say, you know what, our secondary is better than Michigan State, and we're not going to worry about that. How do you see them trying to defend the Alabama offense? 
Well, I, I can take this one too if you like, since I'm on a color commentary. Um, Brother, you're on a roll tonight. Knock it out. <laughs> oh, good lord, Thomas! I said it one time. Come on, just go. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm just, I'm having, I'm just messing with you, Kerry. No, uh, if I'm defending, if I'm drawing up a game plan for Alabama. I'm looking at my options and saying I still don't want Derrick Henry to beat us, particularly in the case of Clemson, because one of the ways that Clemson will beat the Alabama Crimson Tide, in my opinion, is turning this game into a horse race. Well, how do you slow down the horses? You let Alabama have three or four seven-minute drives for field goals, and a, two field goals and a touchdown. If Clemson can't turn it into a horse race, I don't think they're going to win, quite frankly. So you have to stop Henry. And at that point, if Jake Coker beats you, Jake Coker beats you. I'm going to be honest. That, that's my read on it, though. Without further ado, we need to bring on our next guest. And thanks for your call, champ. We need yeah, to bring on our next uh, official guest on the uh, Asian Realm Hotline for Bamish Radio. And, Drew, I'll let you introduce him. Right. Uh, we, we're uh, honored to be joined by one of the forefathers in recruiting, of course. And, of course, he's been on radio uh, for a long time. He's really the foremost source in the state of South Carolina, especially from a radio perspective. And he's covered South Carolina and Clemson for a long time. Uh, he's part of the South Carolina Sports Talk at Radio Network. Sport, and you can find him at sportstalksc.com. His daily radio program uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern time will be 5 to 7 here in the state of Alabama. But I've had him on my uh, show on 97.7 The Zone a couple of times. I was honored to be joined and met him at SEC Media Days. But it's Phil Cornblute. Phil, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I don't know if I'm worthy of that introduction, but I'm doing fine. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's busy for you, and you'll be covering this national championship game uh, closely with the Clemson Tigers. And just kind of tell the uh, listeners – we were we kind of uh, we're talking about it before you came on Dabo Sweeney. What a story he's been. Uh, he takes over. It's ironic. Alabama, you know, back in 2008, uh, beat the Clemson Tigers in the in the Chick Fil A kickoff, 34 to 10, and that sort of set the wheels in motion for the end of the Tommy Bowden tenure. Dabo takes it over as an interim coach. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be a long-term fit, but it has been. And much like he uh, overachieved as a player at Alabama to become a walk-on from Pelham High School and a member of the 92 National Championship team, he's now done the same thing as a coach. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, Dabo has a lot of uh, positive attributes. And when he took over, I was there when they fired Tommy. I was there when they introduced Dabo. And, you know, we all kind of left that press conference wondering, is this going to work? What did Terry Don Phillips know that maybe – the rest of us didn't know. Here's a guy that had never been a coordinator. Best position he'd ever held was recruiting coordinator. He was a receiver's coach. He was young. And we just didn't know what he was all about from that standpoint. But obviously watching him behind the scenes all those years as the athletic director and being around the football program, uh, Terry Don saw some things in Dabo that he really liked, organizational skills, people skills, promotional skills, and not to mention football knowledge. And um, – you know, that might not be his strength in terms of drawing up X's and O's. Who knows? He's probably a good football guy. He's not a guy that's ever designed his own offense or defense. But that's irrelevant if you hire the right people who can do it, and he's done that over his time at Clemson. He also hasn't been afraid to make the tough decision and the bold move. The first thing he did when he took over as interim head coach was fire Rob Spence, the uh, offensive coordinator, and take the offense in a different direction. And then when he had to 
when he felt like he needed to make a change and fire Kevin Steele as defensive coordinator, he did that. And he brought in Brent Venables. Uh, he brought in Chad Morris to rebuild the offense after he had to uh, fire Billy Napier uh, after things went south. So he's not been one to just sit back and, and let the status quo. He's He's always been one to try to build and improve and he's been a relentless promoter and recruiter, and that's what's gotten them where they are today, along with the uh, financial resources of the school as, as they've poured millions of dollars into their facilities to um, to build some of the finest facilities anywhere. Bill, Kerry Clark here, Drew and Thomas is co-host with uh, BamaMag.com, Scout.com. Uh, I can remember many, many moons ago standing on a sideline in Bessemer, Alabama, watching a young sophomore linebacker named D'Amico Ryans, and standing right by me, I'll write an article called Friday Night Lights, been doing it for a while for scout.com, but uh, standing right by me that night, scouting him as well, was young Alabama assistant, Dabo Sweeney. So I've known him a while, and I've been happy with his success. Kind of lost touch with him now that he's been at Clemson so long, but as a media member, how is he to cover on a regular basis? Bring a lot of uh, paper and a lot of lead in your pencil and a lot of ink in your pen or a lot of battery life in your recorder <laughs> because he likes to talk. One thing about Dabo is he really likes to talk. He's full of superlatives. His um, verbal tendencies tend to be on the glass is always uh, full, not even half full. It's full. He praises players endlessly. Uh, every well, not every, but most players are great players, are, are going to be great players. He says some outlandish things. I mean, this is what in the early years left us rolling our eyes when he made a comment like Kyle Parker uh, going into his junior year at Clemson as a quarterback was as good as 25% of the NFL quarterbacks and could step into an NFL locker room and, and at least be a backup quarterback in the NFL. Now, Kyle Parker, a great athlete, he's playing professional Major League Baseball. But you know, those kind of things. But the point is, is he always builds up his players, and he always talks their positives. And, you know, that's what's made him a player's coach, and I think that's why his players love him. He also was one of the early coaches at this level to grasp the uh, social media frenzy and the impact on recruiting and build up the recruiting office and bring in assistants to, to focus on that aspect of recruiting and getting the Clemson message and brand out. They have upwards of 10 people who work full-time in the football office just on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and they're constantly putting out stuff on Clemson and on Dabo. And Dabo's always out front. He's the lead guy. When they come down the hill, it's not a player that leads him down the hill. It's Dabo. And he's at full sprint when he comes down the hill or when he comes out of the locker room. When you see him on Monday night, he'll be the one leading them out. Kind of the old school head coach mentality that I'm leading my charge out onto the field. That's his way. Uh, and he's done a number of other what were perceived as quirky things over the years, but now it makes perfectly good sense in terms of how he's built his program. For example, during pregame warm-ups when they're out stretching and going through their various position drills, and all of a sudden the team comes together 
across the field. They lock arm in arm, and they go marching down the field toward the goalpost. I think Les Miles picked up on that a little bit, too. So they do it coming out of the locker room. Clemson does it on the field, and they march toward the goalpost, and they split up into divisions, uh, in, into position warm-ups once again. You know, little things like that that we kind of laughed at four or five years ago, but, you know, the end product is is that he's able to go anywhere in the country and recruit, and uh, he's got 17 wins in a row, and he's playing for the national championship. So there's not much you can say about his method that is critical. Very well said, Phil. And and now to talk about this game and uh, this, this team this year for Clemson, I know many probably thought they were a year away, much like it was the thought with Ohio State last year, but Ohio State – played their best football late and uh, beat Alabama and Oregon to win the national championship. Clemson lost so much talent off their defense last year. As Dabo has uh, been apt to say, they had, they, had, they lost uh, at least six defensive linemen to the NFL, uh, and they've been able to kind of reload this year. Everyone knew Deshaun Watson. Of course, he was coming off an ACL, but that he had special ability and was someone that Dabo, they had been heavily recruited and had followed Blake Sims, ironically, at Gainesville, Georgia, and in high school, but that you knew could be special. But has everyone been surprised at this uh, at this run this year for Clemson uh, in the Palmetto State? Yes, I think in the preseason we did not foresee this. Even though Dabo would tell everybody they're going to be better than people perceive, because he knew his talent, but we couldn't see it. I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see them replacing all those defensive players and and being as good. I saw no way they would be a top ten defense this year um and and offensively they had to basically rebuild their offensive line and um didn't see that coming together the way it has you knew deshaun watson was going to be super no concern there didn't know wayne gallman was going to be as good as he's been 1500 yards and a, a power runner wait you know who, who runs downhill and gets stronger as the game goes on um so these are things that we did not know. Plus, they had issues at, uh, at at punter and place kicker as far as replacements, and they had some off-the-field issues. They had three players they had to deal with in the offseason for legal or, or other reasons that, that left the program. Um, they had a really good linebacker just up and quit and give up football, a guy that they were counting on to be a, a, a backup at linebacker. So they had their issues going into the season. But, um, you know, the number one thing today is quarterback, and uh, they got a great one. And this is why I think this is why I think Alabama can't rest too easily on its laurels and think that this is just going to be um, this ain't Michigan State. I'll tell you that. And uh, Deshaun Watson is a special player and can do a lot of amazing things. And he's got players around him uh, to complement what he does. So. Um, Clemson will have a very, very good chance to win this game. Yeah, and, and and another thing they've done, Phil, is they had to replace all five starters, I believe, on the offensive line, and they've been able to do that as well. Well, they have, yeah. Um, they got a true freshman starting at left tackle. Now he's not a true freshman anymore. He's played 14 games. Right. He's played practically a season and a half in, in one season. Uh, by the time you figure in uh, preseason camp, uh, they've got a, a first-year starter, a senior, his only year starting. He's starting at left guard. They've got a guy starting at center who was um, out of football uh, over the summer 
didn't know if he was coming back. And Jay Guillermo, he had some emotional issues going on. He was away from school for much of the time. He was away from football. But he's come back, and uh, he's healthy mentally, physically, and playing great ball. The right guard has been a little bit of a revolving door because of an injury to Tyrone Crowder. He's a normal starter, but Maverick Morris has stepped in and started over there at right guard some. And then the right tackle is Joe Gore, who's been uh, a consistent starter, but going into the year he was coming off a bad knee. He didn't know how he would hold up. And they play a, a true freshman, Jake Fru Morgan, over there on the right side as well, and they play another true freshman, Taylor Hearn, over on the left side if if something happens to Hyatt. So um, they're not real deep on the offensive line, especially in terms of experience. So they need to keep their starters uh, in the ball game as much as possible. Well, I wanted to ask you, you, you kind of touched on this in that answer, but uh, certainly the top two teams in the country are facing off. And I think the committee got it right. I think the seeds were right. I think the white teams won the opening round. I was a little surprised Clemson beat up at home, but I wasn't completely blown away. Just I was a little surprised. But that being said, Phil, how how do you see the game going Monday night? You're right about Alabama not being able to rest on its rolls. I agree with that part. But just overall, once the two teams hit the field and the whistle blows and the ball is kicked, how do you see it unfolding? Hmm. Well, if Clemson gets the opening kickoff, and can go down and score three or seven. I mean, that will be a big bonus for them because you guys well know how dominant Alabama's been in the first quarter of games this year. They bury people early, and then they play their style of football. Uh, I heard somebody before I came on make an excellent point about Clemson's speed and um, making Alabama, you know, run a good bit, and that's what Clemson will try and do. They're going to play – they're going to play horizontally. They're going to throw a lot of um, bubble screens. Um, they're going to try and, and get Watson outside um, with his with his legs and also uh, use his arm, his excellent throwing ability on the run, um, to see if he can create something there. Um, if the defense lays back when he rolls out, he's going to take off and run. There'll also be some uh, some called runs for him as well, some predetermined runs. Uh, off of play action and off of fakes and things of that nature. He's an excellent runner. He has a, a really um, he has that next gear that he can shift into. He's he's long strides because he's a kind of a tall kid, uh, but he runs extremely well. So I, I think one point from a Clemson standpoint is is being in the game early. Don't fall behind early. Um, and then second secondarily is uh, how will Clemson deal with. Alabama's uh, huge offense. I was, you know, you guys know better than I do how big they are everywhere on offense. You know, offensive line, quarterback, running back, they're just huge, big, strong, physical. But Clemson's pretty big and strong on defense, too, and they pride themselves on standing up to uh, strong offensive units. So I think they've got a really fighting chance there on defense. If Alabama is stubborn and tries to run the football against Clemson, they could find the, the going tough. I know that's hard to hear if you're an Alabama fan because of the success that Derrick Henry's had and the fact that um, now he's running pretty much against everybody. But this is a really good defense, especially their starting uh, front seven is really good. Their, their defensive front and their linebacker is really good. Mackenzie Alexander can go out and play Calvin Ridley one-on-one. They don't have to worry about him. They can put him on the island with Ridley. Uh, and, and let him chase Ridley all over the field. They they feel good about that matchup, and then that will allow them to 
let their safeties, you know, stay back and do what they do. And, and Jerron Curse is a an outstanding safety back at the back end of the, the defense. So they got a lot of good things there. i tell you what could be interesting. You know, I know the, the, the kicker for Alabama got off to a shaky start, and he's gotten better, but he's missed some field goals. And uh, Clemson's kicker um, did not miss a field goal in regular season in ACC play. Then he missed one in the ACC championship game, and he missed one against Oklahoma. He has missed five extra points. Yeah, this game's real tight. You know, it might come down to one of these kickers and, and who's got who's got the straightest shot in them in the fourth quarter. I, I could see it coming down to one of these kickers deciding this thing. It very well could, Phil. And, I mean, I think it's, uh, again, the two best teams in the country. And what's given Alabama problems in the past has been the mobile QB. Uh, I think a key will be how – because I know Watson's going to try to get outside the pocket on some QB design runs and, of course, throwing the football – uh, a quarterback's ability to throw on the run and throw accurately is going to be a key part of this game. If he can do that, it's going to give Alabama some problems. I know Johnny Mantell was able to do it uh, in the past, and I know Dak Prescott has hurt Alabama at times, but Alabama was also able to pressure uh, Prescott. What do you, I know you've seen Alabama's front. You know how good their front seven is. Uh, how do you see that Clemson offensive line holding up in pass protection? Well, they don't have to hold up that long. You know, they don't have to protect for, you know, more than a second, second and a half in most cases because Watson's getting the ball out on time. He's getting the ball out quick on those slants or on those um, those screens. Um, when he drops back to go deep, um, it's usually off of something that will give him a little more time, something that will catch the defense, um, you know, laying back. Uh, if, if you come at him – with a blitz, let's say, he's got the ability to run away from it and extend the play to give himself extra time. And then if the side of the field is open, he'll tuck it and run. So you're kind of playing with fire if you don't spy him and keep somebody home. So containing the ends will be huge for uh, for Alabama. Um, I think obviously they know that. But if he breaks containment, then you're talking about the potential of a big gain uh, with him running the football. So um, – you know, he's just he's just a very dangerous quarterback. Um, and you talk about mobile quarterbacks, you're right. I mean, you look at what Mississippi State was able to do and what Ole Miss was able to do. Um, those two quarterbacks had big nights against Alabama's defense. I could see Watson doing the same thing. I wanted to ask you one question that has nothing to do with the game Monday, uh, but it does have to do with football in South Carolina. And I asked you this question earlier about that, but what was it like for you to cover the South Carolina part of Steve Furrier's career? Oh, it's fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, you know, I go back and forth between Clemson and, and South Carolina. I'm, I see each one of them about the same amount each year. And then, um, you know, me and my cohorts, we decide who, who's going to go where on the bowl trips, that sort of stuff. So, I get to see them both a lot, <clears throat> and uh, Spurrier was fantastic. You know, it, it ended poorly. It always ends poorly. <laughs> when does it ever end well? Most times it ends probably going to end poorly for Les Miles at LSU at some point. Probably won't end poorly at Saban. I mean, Saban will call his own shot. Probably will end po- poorly for Gus Man- uh, for uh, um, uh, Gus at uh, at Auburn. I mean, it doesn't yeah, just end poorly for, for – hmm? You had it right. He's got about one more year. Yeah, so I mean, so 
it ended poorly for Spurrier. I'm sure he had no intentions of going out that way. You know, he said I, his plan was to go out on the shoulders of his players after winning the SEC championship. It didn't happen. Um, as he said recently, he should have left after last year's bowl win and go off with a with a win, but his family wanted him to stay. You know, money, his son was on the staff. Son's got uh, – Steve Jr.'s got six kids now. Um and making four hundred grand, he he needed another year, you know, money, and I'm sure there were some personal things that went into it, but um, um, outside of that, you 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 can't let that detract from what he did at South Carolina, the the three year run, and I know it's a small window when you think about Alabama's history and Clemson's history and, and, the, and the mega powers, you know, for South Carolina that was um. You know, three uh, fantastic years for their fans because they've never really uh, had that kind of run and to, and to win 11 games three consecutive years and beat the teams that they beat during that run and to win an SEC East and get a chance to play for the championship and to win uh, four bowl games in a row, to beat Clemson five years in a row, that's all heady stuff for South Carolina football. So he um, he took over when it was in disarray. He managed to put it together and build it up. But like what happens so often, you know, he left in disarray. And now it's up to um, uh, Muschamp to try and, and rebuild. And, and Ray Tanner, the athletic director, what his hope is is that Muschamp's going to be one of those 10-, 15-year coaches and, and really uh, build a program on solid foundation. Um, and and he's got a chance to do that because he seems like a smart guy, uh, seems like he's put a good staff together, seems like they will recruit very hard. He's the first head coach that South Carolina's had since Brad Scott in 1978. I'm sorry, 1998, and that ended poorly. But he's the first head coach they've had who will be active in recruiting and be um, involved with recruiting. I mean, Spurrier was not into recruiting hardly at all, except for making the in-home visits and doing what he had to do. He hardly knew the names of the players on signing day. You know, he knew some of them. He knew the quarterbacks and some of the skilled players, but he didn't know the rank and file. Uh, Muschamp makes it clear that he is the one that approves every offer, and he's the one that accepts every commitment. So it's going to run through him. And that's a good thing for South Carolina. They need that kind of leadership in their football program. And, Phil, finally, and we want to thank you for taking the time to join us. And, you know, again, it's been an honor to have you, but – what is your your ultimate gut on uh, feeling on the national championship game? Who do you like in the game? I, I think it's I think everybody realizes that these two teams were one and two all year. And I know Woody McCorvey made a comment this week that this is a matchup I think secretly that Dabo's been waiting on. Of course, it's his alma mater. He'd like to show well. And uh, Clemson's fourteen and zero. They've kind of people have been kind of doubting them all year. They were even an underdog last week. They're an underdog uh, Monday night. But how do you see the game uh, unfolding? <laughs> yeah, I know Dabo wants this game um, for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, Clemson just seems destined. I mean, think about it. You know, you got Dabo Sweeney, the son of Alabama. His father dies, big Alabama man. And how does it work out? They're going to play Alabama for the national championship. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You know, this is a movie script sort of deal, the way this thing has worked out. And you wonder if Clemson's just flat-out destined to win it all. Now, they've escaped all scares this year. They've stayed healthy. They played uh, several teams who were down key players, quarterbacks, running backs at the time they played them, all to their favor. 
uh, not to take away from their wins or their own you know talent level, but that's just the way the the breaks were for them this year. Plus, they're just darn good. People aren't giving them the respect they deserve. This will be the fifth straight postseason game that they're an underdog. They're four and zero. They beat LSU. They beat Ohio State. They beat Oklahoma twice. And and they beat them all. LSU was a close game, but uh, they embarrassed Ohio State. They embarrassed Oklahoma, and then they, you know, they shut out Oklahoma in the second half this last time. Uh, and now they go in as an underdog once again. This is perfect for Clemson. They are absolutely fine being in this role. So, you know, I'm going to be prejudiced as you will be when you make your decision. But I think Clemson yes, will sir. win. I think Clemson will win, um, and I and I base that on having seen them a lot, knowing how good they are, how well prepared, prepared Venables will have the defense. He is a he is a wonderful defensive coordinator, and he'll have his players in position to make plays. And if they make the plays, they'll be fine. But he'll have them in position to make plays. And then you know Watson is the um, for their standpoint, Watson is the the wild card. And if if he has the kind of game he's capable of then um, I, th- I think for sure they'll win. Well, it should be a heck of a matchup, Phil, and we know you'll be uh, down there uh, covering it at, or, or over there in uh, Glendale, Arizona, I'm sure, covering the game, and uh, we look forward to uh, following you. And, and let everybody know, of course, uh, where they can read your stuff and, of course, your Twitter feed and your radio program. Well, sure. Our Twitter feed is Sports Talk SC. Of course, we're all about stuff in South Carolina, but if you're interested, Sports Talk SC website is sportstalksc.com and our show is well, on in south carolina six to eight every night on about 30 stations six to eight p.m every night over a station in south carolina yes sir well we appreciate it mm-hmm. Phil. it's been an honor to have you man and have a great evening and a safe travels to glendale but listen thank you very much for including me and you guys uh, do the same hope to see you again Yes, sir. That's Phil Cornblood, everybody, and it'll be 5 to 7 p.m. Alabama time if you want to go to sportstalksc.com and check out his daily radio program, the best source there is for South Carolina and Clemson football. And I know, Kerry, we've got our next guest on the line. Yeah, we are rapid fire tonight here on BAMS Radio. We do thank Phil Cornblood for his time. And I want to bring in a, uh, a man who's becoming a regular here on BAMS Radio, my cohort and co-worker over at BAMAMAG.com. Uh, our international traveler, a man who covers Alabama. If we played Notre Dame in Dublin, Ireland, this man would be there. I want to bring on my friend and yours, A.P. Stedham of Scout.com and BamaMag.com. A.P., how you doing tonight, buddy? Hey, how are you all this evening? Glad to be here. Good, A.P., man. Good to hear from you, man. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, I sure did. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, A.P., I'll start off the questioning with this. Uh out of the four of us here on the program right now, you're the only one that got to be boots on the ground uh, in Arlington, Texas, and watch the demolition that was 38 to nothing Bama over Michigan State. Uh, tell us, first of all, I understand you guys were treated great all week by the hospitality media people. I saw the great pullovers that Cecil and Mike Casagrande were wearing with Cotton Bowl logos. I'm jealous I didn't get one of those. But all that being said, <laughs> Tell us how the week went, and then also your impressions of the game itself. Yeah, the the week when we first arrived, I was there at Christmas Day, and uh, we went to the uh, first press conference the next day on Saturday, and Alabama came into the hotel, and then that evening there was a tornado, so we all had to go down to the basement of the hotel. So the weather was kind of rough to start, and it was raining and got a little cooler, but the hospitality was second to none. 
uh, they had a room that you didn't want to leave. There was a couple massage chairs, full recliners, couches, <laughs> pool table, basketball, miniature golf, candy, potato chips, all types of drinks, and plus they fed you from morning till night. So they were spectacular. Uh, the Cotton Bowl people were so hospitable that you didn't want to leave. Yeah, and AP, I, I got to believe, uh, I, coming into the game, I, I thought Alabama should be a, a solid favorite. I thought the, the spread was a little high, obviously that ended up not being the case. Alabama dominated the game in the special in the second half. Uh, but I really felt like uh, Michigan State ended up being, uh, as far as their front seven, as good as I thought against the run. But Alabama was able to make plays. I thought Alabama's you know, wide receiver core would be the difference in the game, but it ended up being a huge difference. And I know you having seen every game and seeing this team evolve, just talk about the journey of Jake Coker. I know Clemson's playing up the no-respect angle, but Jake Coker's been disrespected this whole playoff, uh, and he outplayed Connor Cook and now gets a chance to go head up with who uh, uh, Jevin Curse, the safety for Clemson, says is the real Heisman Trophy winner uh, in Deshaun Watson. So it's going to be really interesting uh, to see how Jake can continue. I know Phil Cornblute was talking about it would be a storybook ending for Dabo Sweeney. It might be one for a one Jake Coker. Yeah, Jacob Coker, you know, when he started out the season, he was named the starter. And, uh, they, you know, they won that first game. But in, but in those first few games, he had a tendency to throw that ball up in the middle of the field when he was about to get tackled. And uh, I, I think he's he's come a long way since those those games. You know, when he had that, that Georgia game, he was spectacular. Throw the long pass to Calvin Ridley. And then he had that drive against Tennessee to, to overcome the, the deficit. So I think he became the leader, actually, in the loss to Ole Miss when he, he tried to bring the team back. And they almost uh, succeeded on the last drive, even though they had five turnovers. So Jacob's been uh, very accurate. He's been making plays on the move and making plays with his feet. He's been hitting all the receivers. He's got three good receivers, Ardarius Stewart, Calvin Ridley, Richard Mullaney, and then O.J. Howard is there as well as the tight end. So Jacob, he, he's gotten better every single game. Uh, and last week was he was tremendous in that victory over Michigan State. Uh, you know, he could end up with 14 victories, which would be the most ever uh, for a starter, uh, and being undefeated. I think Stedman Shealy was 12 or 13-0. and 0. You know, Stedman played four years. It just started the last year. So he would have that record at 14-0 and 0 to match his jersey number. So Jacob's playing for a national championship and, and to leave a legacy as a, as a quarterback at the University of Alabama. Certainly a great feel-good story. And, AP, in, in watching the bowl games, you know, two coaches that, that come to mind for me Jim Michael Wayne and, and Martin Antonio, uh, but they both get a lot of, of headlines nationally. They both did a good job this year. Last couple of years they have, but Jim Michael Wayne and Martin Antonio's teams in the second half of their bowl games both quit. They quit, and our players know about Michigan State. It was clear just watching Florida, Michigan. They, I think they quit in the second quarter. But let me ask you this, AP: When you're down there on the sidelines watching. Uh, the end of the game, the last five minutes, and let the media on the sidelines. Could you kind of see it in Michigan State's eyes too? Yeah, you could see in their body language when when you're watching them play. It, it was funny you mentioned being on the sidelines, Kerry. I wanted to go down there before the game uh, to just look at them physically, and they look they look slightly soft. To be honest with you, 
they look like they, you know, they had some extra pounds, you know, and their their arms weren't well defined. In Alabama, they just like they were men, and, and Michigan State looked like boys, even though Michigan State's a pretty tough team. And so, I I just had that sense before the game. I thought Alabama they might they might uh, physically manhandle them. You just described the scene for the people that watched Alabama and Notre Dame walk through the tunnel together uh, back in <laughs> January of thirteen about. As far as the weight room work, so glad glad you pointed that out, and I'll let Drew go ahead. And yeah, and AP, I wanted to get your opinion uh, on this matchup with Clemson. I know you in the media watching the other playoff game. I was wrong on my pick. I picked Oklahoma to win a shootout against Clemson. Uh, obviously, uh, after watching, I, what I what the thing that I should have uh, played out in my mind and thought more about was the Big Twelve is probably the worst defensive conference in all of college football. No, nobody in that league can stop the run. Uh, a good game to them is to hold somebody to 24. Uh, they think that's playing good defense. But uh, obviously Clemson, uh, it was a good game for a half. It did look like the shootout everybody thought, but then Clemson took control in the second half. Just your thoughts on Clemson and, and how they match up with Alabama. Yeah, no, Clemson, they got a, a pretty good defensive line. They have 43 sacks on the year, just right behind Alabama at 50. Um, they have a, a good cornerback uh, and a strong safety, big big kid, about 6'5", 210. Uh, so defensively, they've got some playmakers. And on the defensive line, they've got a defensive end that's very good as well, 10 and a half sacks. So they can pressure their quarterback. And offensively, I mean, they got a running back, 1,400 yards, over five and a half yards of carry. And, of course, that quarterback, he he really has a, a cold night. He he can pass the football as well as run. He's a he's very good dual-threat quarterback. So it's going to be a challenge for Alabama. But I think there's something different about this Alabama team. That front uh, defensive line, they have a versatility that Nick Saban has um, not seen on, on, on his team. They they can rush that passer and also stop the run. That That's quite unique. They're They're well-rounded. Uh, that's the best defensive line I've, I think I've seen maybe 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 in history of Alabama football because collectively they have so many uh, quality players that they can substitute in and out of the game. Hey, P, I wanted to ask you just one basketball question. I know we ask you about that every time you come on, but you follow Alabama basketball pretty closely, and Houston uh, has them off to a 9-3 start. Uh, they have a very tough assignment. Uh, Opening Ole Miss's new arena tomorrow night, and an even tougher assignment hosting Kentucky Saturday. All that being said, what's been your impression of the uh, out of conference job that Avery Johnson has done with his team, considering what he has to work with? Yeah, I think it's it's been uh, outstanding because you know they, they they beat Notre Dame and Wichita State. Those are those are good schools, good basketball schools, and for Alabama to have those non-conference wins, it really gives the team a lot of confidence going into the league play. So, and, you know, he, he's been ha- hamstrung by, with some injuries, of course. So I think uh, Alabama people, they should be, uh, uh, you know, have a good feeling about the future of men's basketball at the University of Alabama because, you know, right now they're, they have trouble scoring, but but he's doing, doing it with smoke and mirrors, kind of. But uh, they, they look quite well against some of these non-conference basketball schools. So, so that, that's good for Alabama. And, AP, uh, obviously you're going to be traveling to Glendale to, to see this team play. 
uh, and try to finish the drill. And I think you brought up a great point. I do think that this defense is special. Um, I think uh, it is as good a pass rush unit as as any defensive line I've ever seen it out there. And that includes the 92 unit because these guys have been getting so much pressure without blitzing. I think uh, this kind of reminds me of the matchup last year. We thought it was going to be a much better game, but Ohio State smashed Oregon. Uh, Marcus Mariota, the number two pick in the draft. Now, Deshaun Watson's not eligible for the draft, but if he were, he'd be slated, I'm sure, to be a high draft pick. Many thought that he would be able to uh, do uh, stop uh, uh, or move the football and have a lot of success against Ohio State, but they did a really good job defending uh, that style of offense and getting pressure on Marcus Mariota and making him inaccurate. I thought Oklahoma did a pretty nice job against the pass uh, against Deshaun Watson. He didn't complete a high percentage of his throws, uh, just a shade over 50% against the Sooners, and the thing that uh, excites me is Alabama is a lot bigger on the front than OU, uh, is a lot right. better on the defensive line, and I think their secondary matches well against these Clemson Riders. I don't see, I don't think they have anyone close to a Calvin Ridley on the other side. No, no, I don't think so either, Drew. I, I believe that Alabama, uh, as I say, with that the versatility of the defensive line, that they can corral this quarterback and don't you think they're going to use some different linebackers, you know, the ones that are better at uh, running around yes. and spying on the court? Don't you think that's a possibility? You might see Evans oh, there and chasing them down. Yeah, I, I think I think Evans could definitely uh, be a guy that plays more reps. Uh, he did a good job of doing that in the LSU contest. He, he did a good job against Tennessee. They started slowing Tennessee down. And I think seeing Tennessee – and, uh, and 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 having to play against them is going to help Alabama. I know there's been people saying, well, you know, they they, uh, they that was a very close game, went down to the final uh, wire, but they still held Tennessee to 14 points. And I still, in my, in my opinion, uh, another factor was Alabama was tired. Uh, this will be a fresher team uh, when they play Clemson, and I think they've come this far. Obviously, Dabo and Clemson and all those guys are wanting to finish the drill and wanting to. I've kind of a Cinderella run uh, to number one, but I think that's all about to come to an end, and it's be and, uh, and I think they're about to get smacked into a dose of reality. They've already kind of been yakking a little bit and talking and uh, talking about how Alabama hadn't faced a running game like theirs, and we got the real Heisman winner. You know, you need to you need to do what uh, basically what Cyrus Jones did today. And when when uh, one of the your fellow media members said, "Well, you know, you're you're a fourth and twenty five from not being here," and his sixteenth response was, "We're here." Next yeah, right. Alabama has, yeah, Alabama has has a lot of confidence. I mean, and the, this last game, the receivers they had a they had a really good game, and, and Alabama's a, a well balanced team. There's a lot of offensive weapons. So Clemson's they're going to have their hands full with Alabama, uh, you know, defending against them. And J- Jacob Coker, he's not one to shy away from any any challenge. And and Derrick Henry, they're going to get a full dose of him, I believe. And as I said all along with every game, you watch those first 10 plays, what will Alabama do? Hand the ball off directly to Derrick Henry and start pounding that middle? Or will they go to the outside on those long handoffs to Ardarius Stewart or Calvin Ridley? Or will they come up with something else? Maybe they they start up throwing the ball to O.J. Howard to get him in the mix right away. But Alabama will be ready offensively, and they've been pretty sharp these last couple of games. And then defensively, I mean, that that front seven all year long, they really haven't had much difficulty with teams. I mean, they're, they're, when they when they're playing ball, they're they're very tough. And the secondary, I I really like this secondary. I think they're 
they've come a long way with some of those young players and Nika Fitzpatrick and, and Marlon Humphrey and, of course, Eddie Jackson and uh, Cyrus Jones. Uh, that, that's, that's quite a group. Well, AP, before we let you go, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the Bama's Radio listeners uh, what type of coverage is going to be coming from uh, BamaMag.com uh, starting with the first press conference and ending with the last one for this national championship. Yeah, that that press conference that they have for this national championship game, it's one hour, and we get to talk to any coach or player. So we, we're, we, we try to get some folks that you haven't heard from all year, particularly the younger players and some of the coaches. And then, of course, at the end of the game, uh, we, we try to pick out some of the players who've, who've had you know productive evenings, and uh, so that's the type of coverage we, we'll, you'll get from Bama Magazine for the national championship game. Well, we sure want to thank you for joining us, AP. I know you're a busy man, an international traveler, and an international playboy. But uh, y'all can read uh, AP stuff at happybag.com. Oh, oh, don't joke. Okay, well, y'all, y'all can read AP stuff at bamamag.com. And uh, AP, I'll be doing a little high school basketball scouting Friday night uh, Mountain Brook Spain Park game. Look for a, a write-up on that. And, uh, of course, I'll cover Alabama, Kentucky, while you and Kirk are on the road and Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, without further ado, on the Asian Rim Hotline, which has been a really busy hotline tonight, and we like that, we got somebody else holding, another scheduled guest, a second-time uh, member of the BAMS Radio uh, International Internet Forum. Drew, you can go ahead and introduce this fellow. Absolutely. You know, I'm a superstitious cat, and uh, we brought this guy on last week, and uh, he brought it. Uh, some great knowledge, and uh, he was—he uh, was ended up being right. He said that Alabama would cover, and that uh, they would handle the Michigan State Spartans. Had a lot of great nuggets for us, and of course, he's on in Tullahoma, Tennessee, his hometown, where he's, he grew up. He's—he's he's on the Saturday ticket, uh, 105.1, 740 a.m. Uh, with Scott Chastain, Deuce Anderson, and those guys. And I've gotten to know this gentleman over the last year or so. He's a great guy, uh, someone I hope to meet soon in person. But he's a He's somebody that's uh, he's, he's grown up an Alabama fan as he as he told us last week he's probably the biggest Alabama fan in the state of Tennessee and uh, I know he's looking forward to this matchup and that is uh, Ken Keller. Welcome back to Bams Radio, my friend. How are you doing? Hey guys, thanks for having me. I've been listening. Y'all have had a fantastic show so far tonight. I've enjoyed listening. I appreciate it, Ken. Uh, obviously, Phil Cornblue, you know who he is. He's been around a long time and he's uh, he's covered the state of South Carolina. Uh, for many a moon, and uh, as he said, he's half and half with South Carolina and Clemson. He likes the Tigers' chances on uh, Saturday, or excuse me, I want to say Saturday, but it's actually Monday night. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not overconfident here, but I just really think this Alabama football team is peaking at the right time. I realize Clemson is a worthy adversary and is 14-0, and 0, and uh, I, I do not think they played in a great league, but regardless, when you run the table and you're 14-0, and 0, you're a very good football team. I still like Alabama in this matchup. I'm I actually I'm probably I, I was like this uh, before you know the, before the Michigan State game. I, I was more confident if Alabama could get past Michigan State and how they would perform in the national championship game. Honestly, uh, but just what's your thoughts early on the contest? Well, I I agree with you, and, and you made some great points right there. I mean, look, it's hard to go against Nick Saban, who's uh, you know looking to go for you know who is four and zero in. Uh, uh, national title games, you know, one with LSU, won that one, and then uh, 
uh, three with Alabama and, and by an average margin of, of almost 20 points, Drew. And I'm like you. I look at this Clemson team. They've had a have had a storybook season, you know, kind of is what Phil said, you know, that uh, uh, Dabo is the dream maker. He, he's been selling his vision to uh, to the Clemson Tigers. They come in on a 17-game win streak, uh, trying to be the first FBS team to go 15-0, and which uh, – and he came out and, and, and recently said that if they win the game Monday night, that they will go down as the greatest team ever. And I, you know, I kind of you know like Clemson's chances in this game before I've I've listened to all the chatter that's come out. You know, like as you referenced, the offensive guard, uh, that uh, Eric McLean said that I don't believe that uh, Alabama's been tested running the ball. I mean, I don't know what uh, Mr. McLean has has been fed, but I mean, I think we've seen Leonard Fournette and. Alex Collins and Jalen Hurd. So we've seen some fantastic running backs this season and, and, and shut all them down. But, you know, Clemson, I went back and looked at their uh, their game since 2010, and uh, they're 6-6 six and six, uh, only against the SEC. And I know that Phil pointed out the last four bowl games, they've, they've beat some good competition, LSU, Ohio State, and Oklahoma twice. But in the 2011 Orange Bowl, they they give up seventy points to West Virginia, and so uh, I think Alabama can can expose this Clemson team. I think they're so prepared for this game. The defense is going to play angry, uh, in my opinion. They were snubbed in in most all the off season awards, and uh, I don't think Mr. A. Sean Robinson and and Reggie Raglan and uh, Jaron Reed and all these guys are too happy about that. Yeah, you were so spot on with your analysis about Alabama. Michigan State, I want to give you a chance to, and you touched on another answer there, but I want to give you a chance to expound a little bit further on exactly how you feel like the game will go once they kick it off Monday night. Well, that's a that's a, a big open-ended question. I mean, you know, look, I think the strategy of Alabama and Nick Saban is certainly going to be what it was against Mississippi State. Uh, you know, Alabama's faced some great uh, fastball teams this year, no huddle offenses that play up-tempo. Obviously, those are the teams that give Alabama trouble. Auburn in the past, uh, certainly Mississippi State. We saw what the dual-threat quarterback Chad Kelly did uh, this year in Alabama's only loss, uh, although Alabama did have five turnovers. Uh, and Josh Dobbs, also another dual-threat quarterback. So certainly I think Deshaun Watson, you know, has uh, has had a fantastic season, finished third in the Heisman guys. And Clemson's out to prove that he should have been the Heisman winner. But I think this game's going to go Alabama's way. I think the key to this, once this game kicks off, is the preparation that Alabama has put in. Essentially, they have two defensive coordinators. Certainly, you have to believe that Jeremy Pruitt, uh, coming over from Georgia, who previously was with two years at Florida State and got a very good look at Clemson in the last two years, is going to give Nick Saban some nuggets that uh, perhaps he didn't see on film if that's possible. And I think Alabama is going to come out and run the football, conversely to what they did against Michigan State. Jake Coker has the game of his life, goes 25 for 30. And, you know, when I watched that game, guys, you know, the five passes, I tried to remember five incomplete passes. I think he threw several balls out of bounds. And, and going back and looking at that game, he only had one pass that, that uh, wasn't uh, was dropped or thrown out of bounds. He was t- actually 26 for 27, not counting drops or throwaways. And 12 knows a starter. So Alabama's going to be balanced offensively, but I do think that they will run uh, Henry early in this game. He only had 75 yards rushing the first, I mean, the last game that he was in. Conversely, uh, Clemson is, uh, gave up 
194 yards against Dalvin Cook against Florida State this year. So they did get gashed on the ground, but only gave up 13 points in that game. So uh, it's going to be a great matchup. Defensively, what I was most impressed with, uh, with Clemson against Oklahoma, was their defense, their ability to put pressure uh, on Baker Mayfield, and they did have that dynamic second half uh, in in that game. Uh, but I think Alabama's offensive line is going to be the key. Can they protect Jake Coker? How will they handle the blitz? And can they get the running game going and stay out of third and long situations? I think that's going to be the key to this game, and I think Alabama – will control this game. I think, conversely, they're going to put heat on Deshaun Watson. Uh, they're going to, on their defensive ends, they're going to stay. Not, they're going to rush up the field but not pass Watson and try to keep him in between the tackles and then rely on those uh, those linebackers who are going to be critical in this game. Reggie Raglan, uh, Reuben Foster, uh, Dylan Lee, Sean Deon Hamilton. They're going to have to get Watson down to the ground. This guy is a, a great ball player, a dynamic dual threat, and, uh, you know, I think probably the best quarterback that Alabama has seen. I thought uh, Chad Kelly uh, and Dak Prescott were the best two that we saw this year. And with his legs and the accuracy of his deep passes, I think Watson uh, presents the biggest challenge. But Alabama's certainly ready for that. There's no surprises in this game. The key to this game is stopping Deshaun Watson. I was also very impressed, guys, with the running back Wayne Gallman uh, he rushed for nearly 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. So they have a balanced offense as well. And when you're dealing with Dabo Sweeney, who's selling the dream, D- Dabo the dream maker, selling his vision, BYOG, bring your own guts, this team believes in him. He believes in them. He's really kind of diametrically different than Nick Saban. You know, he's more of a – has presents fearless bravado with his team, whereas Nick Saban is a process tactician. And so when you look at those interesting uh, matchups really between the coaches, I think their personas will translate to the field. I think, uh, I think that Clemson will come into this game loose, maybe too loose, but, they, you know, everybody has a game plan until they get hit in the mouth, and I think Alabama's going to bring it, guys. I'm going to say Alabama's going to win 45-24. to 24. Uh, I picked uh, Clemson to beat Oklahoma. I picked Ohio State to beat Alabama last year in the playoff game. And I call games not with my heart, but with my eyes and my brain. So, but I'm going to say, not going to be a homer here. I want Alabama to win, but I think they're the better team. And, and this is the best defense that I've ever seen Alabama have in my lifetime. I'm going to go ahead and call it and kind of agree with what you guys are saying. Certainly, that 92 team had some good pass rushers and some good linebackers. But I think athletic-wise, size-wise, and versatility-wise, defensively, this is the best one I've seen. And I think they're going to have their, their biggest game on the, on the biggest stage Monday night. Well, Ken, and I know uh, I, I like the matchup as well, and I agree with you on the points of Derrick Henry. I think he's going to be uh, more heavily involved in this game. He was able to – they were able to – you almost use him as a decoy and then as a closer uh, in round one. I think he's going to be uh, centric in this game. I think uh, he's going to be someone tough, tough for Clemson to slow down. I think he'll get 150-plus. I was – I've seen as well that Dalvin Cook uh, gashed them, and they were Notre Dame was able to move the ball, and they had so many injuries that uh, they got off to a slow start but moved it. And I do think that the Tide defense will be able to pressure Deshaun Watson. I know uh, the the narrative is Alabama hasn't faced a dual threat court, but they did face Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did uh, handle Josh Dobbs pretty well. Dobbs hurt them some, but I thought they made uh, nice adjustments there. And and really, 
the the all it's it all comes down to the formula. I mean, I think if Jake Coker is efficient and protects the football with his twenty five passes or so a game, and then they and they don't turn the football over. This defense and and another part we didn't really talk about what Phil Cornblue, but I think. Uh, the Alabama special teams has improved as much as any unit on the football team. And I know Dabo, one of the huge turning points in the Orange Bowl was faking that punt. Uh, and I know he's apt to take chances, but I do think that uh, Alabama's return game with Cyrus Jones and maybe even Kenyon Drake in the kickoff return can hurt Clemson. I, I agree. Cyrus Jones has been, uh, you know, fantastic. From the middle of the season on, returning kicks, I thought our punt return game was a little shaky, that he took a little bit – uh, played it safe and took a little too many fair catches. But, you know, since the second half of the season, I believe he's ran four uh, punts back for touchdowns. And that interception in the first half, guys, in the last minute, uh, turning back, uh, you know, with Alabama 10-0 to lead to me was a critical play in the game. Then Alabama takes a second half t- uh, kickoff, scores a touchdown, and then Cyrus Jones's uh, punt return makes it 24-zip. At that point, you know, the ball game's over. And it seemed to me in the first half of that game, guys, and I think this gives Alabama an advantage as well, it didn't look like Alabama exerted a whole lot of energy in that first half. I mean, it was just methodical. It was like Alabama was spinning the web. They were filling out Michigan State. Michigan State helped us out a little bit, dropping a couple of open passes. Uh, we had a couple of pass interferences with our head turned away from the quarterback early in the game. But Alabama spins the web. And when the prey comes in, they attack, and, and the Sharks came in and got blood. And so I think this is a dangerous game for Clemson. I, you know, all the intangibles and all the media, you know, seem to seem to love Dabo in the storybook year he's saying. And, hey, I admire the guy's faith. I love that he's an Alabama alum, 1992 national champion uh, under under Gene Stallings, walk-on wide receiver, Pelham, Alabama, Tyler, Tyler Watts is uh, uh, Tyler Watts country there. But but Dabo said this facing Alabama for the title. He said, I think God's got a sense of humor. So, you know, this is a man of strong faith. I admire Dabo. A lot of people, I saw an article come out say Dabo may be, uh, you know, playing for the future position at Alabama and take over for Nick Saban. I don't think it's going to happen for him Monday night, guys. The, story, the storybook uh, ending for him in this one is that the Crimson Tide's defense it's the real Desert Swarm defense of Arizona and not the Arizona Wildcats. You're fixing to see Desert Swarm defense come from Tuscaloosa and show up in Glendale Monday night. I like it. And then to talk about the web, might also be the Spider-Man defense. But uh, I wanted to ask you uh, – yeah, that's <laughs> so funny. I wanted to ask that's you about a play that happened. It was, a, uh, it was a fun play for me to watch, Ken. Alabama got mm-hmm. down in the red zone, got, got inside the five, and all of a sudden – Instead of Michael Nicewander, out marches A'shaun Robinson and Jaron Reed to line up as dual fullbacks in front of Eric Henry. And the play was very effective. Uh, as a longtime observer of Alabama football, uh, what was going through your mind when you watched that unfold there on the goal line? Well, what was going through my mind there, guys, was Terrence Cody all over again. You know how they lined him back and just, you know, he would flash people at the goal line. But then Alabama puts the – the double jumbo, you know, puts a jumbo package in there and puts those two monsters in there. And, you know, who's going to stop that? You got you got Derrick Henry at, at, at 6'3", 2, 243, runs a 4'5", L-Tractorito, and then you put those two big monsters up to block for him behind that offensive line. You know, Shank, Ryan Kelly, Perk, Pitch Barker, uh, you know, Cam, Big Cam Robinson, and, uh, and uh, so Dominic Jackson. 
who's going to stop that on the goal line? I, I would I would love to see that against Clemson have happen several times. I I hope we can have some first goal in one or two yards and be able to see that again Monday night, guys. I, I would like our chances in that scenario. Well, and Ken, obviously uh, you like the Tide and you like them uh, to cover in this game. Uh, they're about a, a seven point favorite. Uh, and, and, and it would be uh, a, a, an amazing journey for this team because coming in, I think everybody knew the defense had a chance to be special, uh, but especially uh, with Adam Griffith, uh, the way this, as far as he's come, since going 0 for 4 to start the year and becoming an All SEC kicker, uh, we saw J.K. Scott start slowly, but he is he's finished strong. You talked about we talked about Cyrus Jones in the second half of the year. He has had. What's uh, amazed me about this Alabama football team, Ken, is they've uh, th- this team has not plateaued. This team has continued to get better every week, and I I do think Nick Saban is being genuine when he says this has probably been his most fun team to coach. Well, I'm not so sure this is not the best job I've seen him do. This is in his ninth year. I picked this team, guys, to lose three games when I looked at the schedule uh, early in the season. I picked Ole Miss to be a loss. I picked the Georgia Bulldog game to be a loss and the LSU and Leonard Fournette. So I thought Alabama was a three-loss team, you know, just looking at Coker and the quarterback situation early. But this team, you know, Coker took the reins over in that Ole Miss game, albeit a loss, and then really gained control in the Georgia win to me, the turning point of the entire season. And this team's been on a roll. So, you know, everybody's talking about Clemson being the hot team, 17 wins in a row. Alabama's on an 11-game win streak itself. So, uh, what a what a what a season! Or 12-game, str- uh, you know, a long win streak themselves. They come into this game and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, think think about this stat right here, guys. You know, in the coaching job Nick Saban's done now is ability to recruit every member of every signing class that Coach Nick Saban has signed since 2007 will have a chance to be on a national championship winning team. To me, that statistic is unprecedented. And so I hope these guys can close out Monday night and get the win. And it's interesting that, you know, you look at this this program changers. This could be a program changing game for Clemson. Uh, Dabo wanting to get on the map. What, what about, you know, taking the king off the perch? 2008 program changer for Alabama. Season opener against Clemson. They they throttle Clemson, and uh, they're two great running backs. If you remember C.J. Spiller and James Davis, Thunder and Lightning. Bama wins 34-10. Tommy Bowden resigns halfway through the season, and then Dabo takes over. You know, that year Alabama lost their last two to Florida and Utah, but then, the, you know, after a 12-0 start, number one ranking, that put Alabama back on the map, although they wouldn't win the championship until the next year uh, in, in the Tebow cry game and then beating Texas. You see what an interesting storyline this is. This is Clemson's chance to have their program changer game, and Alabama wants to throttle that. I think Nick Saban's going to go down and get this win and, and make it four out of seven. Paul Feinbaum said this week if Saban wins Monday night, he will be the greatest ever football college football coach of all time. I don't know about that, but I know what he's done in the last, in the last seven years is just absolutely ridiculous. It really is. And well said, Ken. We really appreciate the time. I know the listeners have enjoyed hearing from you these last couple of weeks, and we know you're going to be a regular now on BAMS Radio. We thank you, man, and we just hope that you're two for two in your predictions. And uh, we uh, we all agree that we think Alabama is going to bring home number 16. And, and uh, we thank you and have a great night, and thank you for coming on BAMS with us tonight.
Hey, Happy New Year. Great show. Thanks for having me, guys. Roll Tide. Yes, sir. That's Ken Keller, guys. Roll Tide to Ken Keller. And now I know we've got a rapid, still rapid fire going on there, uh, Kerry. Yep, the Asian Rim Hotline has been busier than ever tonight. And by the way, if you want to make reservations for a table at Asian Rim, you can call them at 205-490-1444 at 205-490-1444. They're located at the Colonnade just off Highway 280 in Birmingham. You can also check out their website, asianrim.com. A very extensive menu including sushi, Thai food, uh, steaks, uh, you know, great appetizers, salads. They got it all there. So uh, we certainly appreciate Asian Rim sponsoring our call-in hotline. And next up is a, a regular caller from the Greenville, Alabama town in Butler County. Your friend and mine, former Tide manager and current weekday radio morning talk show host, Colin Big C. McGuire. Hey, how y'all wild Indians tonight? Good, Big C. How you doing? Good, Drew. Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to you, Carrie. Thank you, man. Um, you know, that guy that was on beforehand, he made an interesting point. Alabama and Nick Saban will be the second team and coach. They win front Monday night be the second team and coach since the poll era of 1936 to win four out of seven national championships. Notre Dame did it from 1943 to 1949 under Frank Leahy. That would be an amazing accomplishment, Big Z, no question about it. And the thing is, this one's a lot more. Back then, that was, you know, a pole deal. And then one year, they won the national championship in that time frame when Georgia was ranked number three, like Alabama was in 1966. And Army and Notre Dame tied each other 0-0. And Georgia went 11-0 and won the bowl game. And they ended up number three. But they weren't preseason number one. But still, you would think. But back then, I think uh, it was such a bias with, uh, Midwest and Eastern football, there wasn't no way a team from the South back in the 40s could uh, do that. But that but that would, uh, that fellow was right about four out of seven years. But I just wanted to add on to that. That would be the second time in college history that would happen. That happens Monday night. So now, let me ask, ask you a question. All right. Let me ask you something real quick. Uh, we, we've kind of gone over ad nauseum the very important 2008 Alabama-Clemson game. But Alabama's had success over Clemson many other times throughout the years, and several of those games have been played in your lifetime, Big C. Why don't you talk about a couple of other Alabama-Clemson games you can remember before 08? All right. The one I can remember, I'll tell you the one I can remember real well. I only seen Alabama play Clemson twice in person, and it was an 08 and the – the first time was in 1975. It was on September the 20th of 1975. It was the second game of the year. Unfortunately, the week, two, 12 days earlier, Alabama got beat, manhandled by Missouri on national TV on Monday night, 20 to 7. And uh, that was a night game in Tuscaloosa. And y'all going to laugh at this, but every time I hear the song by by the uh, Isley Brothers called Fight the Power. It reminds me of that game because earlier in that day, my daddy and I and uh, this couple named John and Linda Williams, he worked with my daddy, 
we went up to the ball game, and the deal was, remember there was a show called Soul Train, and they were playing that song on the show before we left Greenville to go up there to the game. But it was a total domination. Uh, Clemson had a guy by the name of Benny Cunningham as their tight end. They had a freshman quarterback by the name of Steve Fuller. And then, you know, a bunch of those guys that were freshmen three years later was on a team that went 10-11-1 uh, and one and beat Woody Hayes when Charlie Pell and uh, Danny Ford was there. But they were a bunch of freshmen then. But anyway, uh, Richard Todd threw all over the place. Uh, Johnny Davis, they just it was a total annihilation of 56 to nothing. And I, I'll tell you one, I, don't, I sort of remember, but in 1969, the 100th win that Coach Bryant got in his career, oh, this is interesting, that Alabama was against Clemson on October 25th, 1969, and they beat Clemson 38-13. to 13. And if I'm not mistaken, if he wins Friday, Monday night, wouldn't that be his 100th win at Alabama? Yeah, take away with the vacated wins. <laughs> He really has a hundred four, but if you throw out, you don't count the textbook crap. It'd be a ton of win. I, I count every game that was on the field. I do too. To me, I mean, it'd be a ton of Well, I mean, since you bring that up, what about the nineteen? Uh, you and I went to a ball game in nineteen ninety three up at Legion Field. Watched Alabama play Louisiana Tech and beat them fifty six to three. And I count that as a win for them. Me when you get beat yeah, 56, I don't. Yeah, I don't see how you can count that as a dud. I don't. I don't care what they say. counts. In my mind, it'll be Nick Saban and Alabama. Okay, well, I think it's pretty interesting. I, I saw that on Facebook earlier today. It said something about a hundred win, but I didn't know. I'm like, yeah, I don't count. I count the vacated wins. That's, that's garbage, man. But what do you expect from the NCAA? They're garbage anyway. Yeah. You're fixing to ask us something, so let me go ahead and let you do that. I'm sorry. I know before I interrupt you for the history lesson, uh, you were going to ask us a question. Well, um, from I, I had really I didn't get to watch the Orange Bowl, but from a physical standpoint, how does Clemson? I know from an athletic standpoint, I heard they match up with Alabama. But from a physical standpoint. How do they match up with Alabama or do they, in y'all's opinion? Well, I'm going to be honest. I end up being wrong on this, but I think Alabama has an advantage on the lines of scrimmage. Uh, I do think this Clemson defensive line is talented, and Shaq Lawson will, will go. He won't be 100%, but he'll play. Uh, I do think they have a pretty formidable defensive line. They do have 43 sacks, but I do think Alabama can have some success moving the ball on them and being able to block them. And I do think, overall, when you they've had five new starters, but obviously they're all they're not new anymore. They've started every pretty much every game for Clemson. But I still think they have not. In my opinion, I told somebody today, the Clemson have not faced a team nearly as talented as Alabama all season long, okay? I believe Alabama and Ole Miss are both more talented than Clemson. I think both of them would beat Clemson. Uh, I think on any given day, anything can happen. But I just really believe this Alabama team, 
matches up with Clemson. I, I felt like uh, I wanted Oklahoma to shut big game. Bob Dabo and his guys, they did a great job, and they won that game. But I've watched Clemson three or four times this year. They're a very talented team, but I still think, and even with Phil Cornblute, I don't. I still don't think they realize how good this Alabama defense is, and I think they're about to get smacked on uh, Monday night. And I don't. I don't think the Clemson will score in the twenties. They may do it, but if they do, then I agree with King Keller that Alabama's going to go buck wild and score uh, in, in the forty because this Clemson defense is good. But I think Alabama can move the ball. I don't think they've seen a wide receiver core. I don't care about North Carolina. I don't care about NC State. I don't care about FSU. And FSU was able to hold down their offense pretty well. But uh, And that was at Clemson. But I, I don't think that they've seen, you know, that Dalvin Cook is a great running back, but the rest of their skill guys weren't as good as Alabama's. And if Jason protects the ball, Alabama's going to win number 16, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I've talked to a friend of mine, and they always say, if we don't help them, there's no way we'll lose if we don't help them. And they and definitely helped Ole Miss that night. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, no and doubt. I noticed, and I looked at this. Now, I don't know what kind of record Syracuse got, but they got 242 yards rushing on Clemson. Yeah. Now, and then even well, Florida it, State got 197 on them. Uh, well, in the big scene, you look at Notre Dame. Some some people will bring up Notre Dame. Give me a break. Notre Dame does not compare to Alabama on either side of the ball. They're a pretty good football team. But And then you look at what the SEC's done during bowl games. If Kevin Sumlin wasn't an idiot and could manage his personnel and could have kept Kyle Allen on his football team, they win that bowl game. The only one to lose would be Florida because they didn't have a quarterback. And I think, and as you've seen, Big C, most of all these bowl results with the SEC have been lopsided. And I oh, just yeah. think, the, especially the SEC West, is the best division in college football. And the one good thing is I know this Alabama team is going to be focused. There's not going to be any taking it for granted, oh, overlooking Clemson. Are you kidding me? It's for the national championship. You're not going to take anybody for granted. And honestly, I didn't like the way that either Oklahoma or Clemson handled themselves in their game. I thought both of them talked too much. And Clemson's already started talking. Uh, but, with, you know, with Alabama, you haven't heard any kind of any of that stuff, uh, you know, from coming They know what they have to do to go out there. And I thought Ken Keller was very succinct when he said, everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. All right, say that All one right, more time. time. All right, this is it. Well, Hello? we got a more questions. Now, what did that guy say again? Um, the Ken Keller guy said about the run into the mouth. I missed that. He sort of cut out. Hello? Well, Big, Big C, what he said was he just he felt like that this Clemson team, he said he thought Clemson had a really good chance to win, but then he saw the talking start from Clemson. Uh, their safety, Javon Kerr, said they had the real Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, Eric McClain, the offensive guard, said, well, Alabama has not faced a running game like ours. We really don't think they have. When you think about Alabama shutting down Leonard Fournette, Alex Collins uh, faced Jalen Hurd at Tennessee, and, of course, uh, Josh Dobbs. 
So uh, I think Alabama has played much better competition overall. When you, oh, yeah. when you look at the records, when you look at the records of the two teams and who they've played, Alabama's played one of the toughest schedules probably ever for a team that's um, uh, made it to the national championship game because that's why most people thought Alabama would have two or three losses this year because of the road schedule. And I'm going to be honest with you, what Alabama did to Texas A&M, what they did to Georgia, uh, what you know, by the time they got to Auburn, they handled Auburn. What they did early in the season to some of these teams, Ole Miss, you know, uh, got Alabama early, but the rest of the season they just ruined people's seasons and caused some of them to go into tailspins. Oh, you're right on that. You're right on that. Bottom line, Big C, it's one thing to run your mouth. It's another thing to get out on the field and get hit in the mouth. Yep, that's right. They'll definitely get hit in the mouth, that's for sure. Numerous times they will. Well, Big C, thank you for calling in. You're always Thank you, sir. Talk to y'all later on. Appreciate it. Roll Tide. Yes, sir. Roll Tide. Proud of Greenville, Alabama. And uh, it has been a very good show. Uh, We want to thank all our callers, uh, Big C, and and, uh, also Black Camping. We want to thank all our guests. We have many guests. Uh, Phil Cornboot, A.P. Stedham. Uh, Ken Keller. It, it was just rapid fire, man. It was a, it, it was a really good two hours and almost five minutes. But all good things must come to an end, and that is the case. This edition of Bams Radio. So uh, by the next time we talk to you, we hope to be talking to you about Alabama's 16th national championship as they take on the Oklahoma Tigers out in Arizona, 7:30 Central, ESPN Monday Night Football. For all the marbles. So, for Rudy Armand of ESPN 97, zone in Huntsville, for Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark of BamaMag.com, wishing you good night, happy new year, roll tide, and thanks for listening to Bama's Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Roll tide, on to 16. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.